was the was the main twist being that Tyler Perry was actually good in this movie. Yeah, Tyler Perry is. <laughs> is an MVP in this movie, dude. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, I, I, I legitimately thought he was good in this. I didn't really like his other five roles, but, you know, <laughs> that one character he was was good. Spoilers, but the big twist is that everyone is played by Tyler Perry. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap, I didn't see that coming. Fincher, genius. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Fincher played us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 319 with a review of Gone Girl. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. (laughs) If you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This, This time around, Gone Girl. We are talking about it. I think we were all excited for this film, right? Yeah, I was a little excited for it. I can't say I knew much about it, but I knew that a new David Fincher movie was coming out. So yeah, which is by, by virtue of that, I was pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being sarcastic when I said I was a little excited. I don't, <laughs> know, if I don't know if you caught that. No, I. Carson doesn't want to be outdone. He was very. I, I was trying no. to start this episode being like Pert Happily from Parks and Rec, but I <laughs> failed it. But anyway, if I could have followed through, he would have tried to not understand any form of sarcasm. Well, I, I don't watch the show, so I would have not understood any form no, of it your impression. Have, what's the purd or whatever is the? Isn't that the name of the <laughs> show? Purd's word or purd's what? word or yeah, yeah I can't remember. Like All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's really funny if you watch no, the show. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and this has been talking about other funny things <laughs> with Chris Carson and Steven. <laughs> well, you know what's not funny, guys. When your wife is kidnapped and possibly <laughs> murdered. No, that's not funny. No. I don't, I don't know why I laugh. You know, it's really hard to like. Well, say the movie something. is kind of funny, so I guess it is. I mean, it's got humor in it. I don't know if the movie's funny. Uh, yeah. Depends and on unless your we taste. saw a very different movie. <laughs> but no, it's not funny uh, material. It had Barney from How I Met Your Mother in it. It was <laughs> hilarious. And Tyler Perry was in it. Oh, that's yeah. right. Two of the funniest people. That, in... that guy from Chasing Amy was in it. <laughs> Wait, which guy Ga- from Chasing Amy? That guy from Julie oh, was in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was, I was thinking I love Chris and was I'm like, sure... was Kevin Smith in this movie? <laughs> Silent Bob? A million people have already observed that uh, Ben Affleck has already done Gone Baby Gone and Chasing Amy. And yes. this could have been called either of those things. True. <laughs> I, I did not even think of that. that, that, that yeah. Excuse me. I did not even think about that until you brought it up. Her name is Amy, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Amy. Yeah, that's true. I never even thought of that. There you go. And, and David Venture directed the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake. Maybe she had a dragon tattoo. We don't yeah, know. Uh, yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, uh, <laughs> should we get into this review then? Yeah. Let's do it. I guess. <laughs> I, know, I, I think the banter is going really well. <laughs> I, I think you guys should just keep making jokes that I either don't get or don't know the source <laughs> material from, and then uh, we'll, you know, we'll keep going until I just hang myself. Yeah, well, I wondered when you know Ben Affleck's retarded brother was going to show up, and he had to protect him, you know, like in, like in Geely. <laughs> okay. I, never, I never saw Geely. <laughs> I did not either. Well, I mean, you're not missing much, so... I'm pretty sure the only people who saw that movie were the people who saw it because they knew how bad it was and they wanted to experience it firsthand. Yeah, and, that's why I saw it, yeah. And, and I just never, I never was, like, 
w- never even thought to tempt myself to do that. There, it's. I feel like it wasn't as bad as people are saying, but it's just very baffling as to like how it all came together. Well, the real question is, was it as good as people weren't saying? Uh, no, no. I mean, when you have Jennifer Lopez talking about, you know, she's trying to seduce Ben Affleck by saying, like, gobble, gobble. Uh, <laughs> it's just really bad well, and well, not sexy we don't, at all. We don't know that that's not true to life. <laughs> I, that's true. That's true, yeah. Because I, I, I can see myself. But you see, it's I, not played in a joking manner, though. It's just, it's serious, so it's not as funny. I definitely, I went into this movie somehow believing it was based on a true story. So by like halfway through, <laughs> I was fairly, fairly surprised Dude, by what was happening. I would argue that this could happen in real life. And that's why it's scary. I'm going to argue that it has. Oh, snap. I, did, I thought it was a little derivative, though, when, uh, when Ben Affleck tells her that the worst part of every day is when he sees her at home. Because he knows that she hasn't reached her true potential left yet. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, he looks over at the couch and she's not there anymore. He smiles. Mm. It was Goodwill Hunting. It's true. Well, another movie I haven't seen. Oh, wow, you really need to catch up on these. It, Goodwill Hunting is a good film. I, I, I mean, good title, is in the title. Good. Yeah, good is in the title. That's how you know it's good. Yeah, it's not just called Will Hunting or like mediocre Will Hunting. No. no. He's actually good at what he does. I I just assume that when people refer to the film, they were, like, qualifying how good it is and then (laughs) saying the title of the film. (laughs) Mm. Well, you know, that reveal in Gone Girl at the end when Ben Affleck was actually blind and he put on a uh, a red latex costume. Okay, this is what I get. (laughs) Okay, good. Finally. (laughs) We got one. We got one. Finally a movie that Chris saw. (laughs) No, but the funny thing is I did not see Daredevil. Oh, God. I, I, oh, I just damn. know. I just, it was obvious the joke you were going for. Oh, okay. No, what if I was just like, ha, I got you. It was the Book of Eli. <laughs> Wait, is he in the Book of Eli? <laughs> no. Okay. But he's it was blind weird when at his, the end. His parents were murdered in this movie, and then he started fighting crime. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's later. That's a, that's yeah, a, yeah that's that a, hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah. That's foreshadowing. <laughs> it's a preemptive Ben Affleck uh, movie. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> for reals now, do you guys want to start this episode? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to try to get serious here. We're going to uh, listen to the trailer for Gone Girl, and we're going to come back and give you guys our review. Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work. Not for me and Nick. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. Sammy got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. Just being a good guy, so everybody can see him being a good guy. Well, you really don't like him, do you? All I'm trying to do is be nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. You ever seen that guy in the glasses before? Amy is the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. Want to solve Amy's treasure hunt? You seen this girl around here? Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the volunteer center. I wanted to help. What'd she want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared, but we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. I feel like I could 
disappear. The hallmark of a sociopath is a lack of empathy. Amy lost a lot of blood in there. Then somebody mopped it up. Why do they mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene? Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. I'd finally realized I am frightened of my own husband. I would draw you as if you do in a deposition what to say, what not to say. A trained monkey? A trained monkey who doesn't get lethal injections. She's going to eat you alive. You assaulted her? It's not good enough for you? I hit her? It's not even close. Absolutely not. I never touched her. We now believe Nick is involved in the disappearance of our daughter. Without a body, without a murder weapon, their only hope is a confession. You don't know anything yet? You need to tell me. How was your marriage, Nick? Are you asking me if I killed my wife? Man of my dreams, this man of mine may kill me. What about my son? Nick! This man may kill me. In her own words, this man may truly kill me. You ever hear the expression, the simplest answer is often the correct one? Actually, I've never found that to be true. All right, so that was the trailer for Gone Girl. It's the new David Fincher film, and it stars Ben Affleck. He is a dude whose wife has disappeared, and uh, some people think that, uh, you know, previous thoughts that Batman never kills anybody could be wrong, and that (laughs) in this case, Batman may have killed somebody because it looks like the husband may have done it. And, uh... Yeah, so why don't you start us off, Carson, and let us know what you thought about this film. It's a, it's a who done did it, you know. <laughs> Which done did it? <laughs> um, yes. I never know what to say, because I always have to go first, and I can't speak on these things. So uh, I'll just start <laughs> I'll start by saying that Gone Girl, uh, I, I very, of course I very much enjoyed this film. Um I, I was very excited to see a new David Fincher movie, and uh, like all David Fincher films, you really can't go wrong. I mean, there are some lesser ones, but uh, you know that uh, David Fincher is always going to deliver in some capacity, and this is, uh, I think he delivered 100% with this movie. Um, it surprised me because it's it's more than just a really great thriller, Um I had never read the book, so I, I don't. I didn't know what was coming, and I thought there were a lot of great twists and turns that uh, I did not see coming at all. Maybe just because, like, you know, someone may have been smarter than I was, but I, I, I like any time like a twist happened, I was I was on board. You know, it was it was cool. And um, was the was the main twist being that Tyler Perry was actually good in this movie? Yeah, Tyler Perry is. <laughs> is an MVP in this movie, dude. Like mm-hmm. he, I, I, I legitimately thought he was good in this. Yeah, no, I'm like, he, he was, he was pretty awesome in this. Like the whole movie is perfectly cast. Um, and, uh, yeah, like he's great as the, as the like smooth lawyer that uh, ends up defending Ben Affleck's character. Mm-hmm. I didn't really uh, like his other five roles, but you know, <laughs> that one character he was, was good. You know, he was really good as the, uh, annoying, uh, neighbor. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Maybe it was, weird, so good. it was weird that he played Ben Affleck's twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a bold move on their part. It yeah. was. I don't, I don't know whether it's offensive that he was playing whiteface, but I mean, I'm just going to assume it's okay. Yeah. He was also really good as uh, as uh, that one girl that he was, you know. The Gone Girl? S- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, After the big, she got a new I mean, identity. The big twist in the film, I mean, spoilers, but the big twist is that everyone is played by Tyler Perry. <laughs> 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 the spoiler is that Tyler Perry was being played by Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes, and the Ben Aff- or then Tyler Perry was playing everyone else. <laughs> it's like holy crap! I didn't see that coming, Fincher. <laughs> and Genius. at the end of the day, Fincher played us. 
Yeah, he totally played us. But um, that was no. deep, Stephen. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> continue, Carson. But I mean, like I said, I think that it was more than just a thriller. I think that there was uh, a lot more going on. There was this uh, really, I, I won't, I, I can't say much because I'm assuming we're going to have a spoiler territory. But what is there, or what I can say now is that there was a really great, um, there, there's a really like dark humor streak going through this movie, like a really good satirical edge like everything with the media was really like i feel like very satirical and there was a commentary going on about how the media influences people and how they get really obsessed over white women disappearing um and yeah i I thought that that was like a, a you know a cool like take on it and that made it more than just uh you know, a typical thriller. Cause I, I, this, I feel like this adaptation easily could have been just your run of the mill thriller, but I feel like David Fincher makes it, uh, he, he creates something deeper. And, um, there, there's another element of, there's another element to that, which I can't say because it's a big spoiler, but, uh, mostly like the, the whole media influence was, uh, I, I found it to be, darkly humorous and then the whole movie is kind of has like a a darkly humorous streak to it but uh it kind of reminded me there's there's that one um there's that one patrice o'neill bit where he talks about you know the deal i ain't saying nothing wrong white woman's life is valuable (laughs) what's his name yorin uh vandersloot (laughs) right we find out he was a serial killer man he kills women that's what he do he do it well you know what I mean? We know the girl that he, that he you know, supposedly had... Uh, what's the girl in Aruba? Natalie Holloway, right? But the one, he just killed a girl in Peru. What's her name? Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, the, the, the fact that the media gets all riled up that this uh, very, like, upper-crust, smart white woman disappears, I, I feel like that's very attuned to, like, how, how it is now. Um, and Ben Affleck is, is really awesome in the movie. Every, everybody is great. I thought Rosamund Pike actually ends up being the standout. Um, but Ben Affleck was great. Obviously Tyler Perry, like we said, and, um, the, the, uh, the girl who played his sister was really good too. Um, yeah, everyone was great in the film. Like, I, like, I, like I said, everyone was perfectly cast. Like I remember like hearing, you know, Oh, like, it, it kind of seems like some off kilter choices, like with Tyler Perry and uh, NPH, mm-hmm. uh, but they they work great. Like I think that uh, I think you know Fincher knows how to really cast movies well. He's kind of like Tarantino; he knows how to use actors. And because I thought it was funny when they were first casting this movie, and it was like it said something like David Fincher saw. Alex Cross and he really wants Tyler Perry in this movie. I was like, I don't know what he saw. And like, I can't imagine David Fincher watching Alex Cross and being like, just not sitting there bored out of his mind. <laughs> but uh, he obviously saw something in Tyler Perry that was like, yes, he can play this part, and you know, I can use him to great effect. Um, so I just thought that was that's interesting. But uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the movie. It goes by so fast like this movie is two and a half hours and it moves like a rocket like it's just it moves so fast that the credits like the the opening credits 
like don't even you don't even have time to register what it is like the 20th century fox logo comes up and it's like they just cut it in half that's almost just like ah you know you know what this is who cares (laughs) all right no like you go back if you go back and watch the movie like it comes up and it stops halfway and it just goes to the next logo and then stops halfway and then goes in and then (laughs) when it says you know like a david fincher film and like ben affleck and they're showing all the credits it, it goes by so fast it's weird it's like it just that's how that's how fast the movie is it just burns through everything and uh there's not you know there's not like any kind of fat in this movie like i feel like everything that's in the film is necessary and uh yeah it just it's it's a very well paced film and um like any of his movies but especially this one uh so yeah i just thought that was that was a plus and you know that i found so <laughs> anyway, right. Stephen, what did you think of this movie? Uh, yeah, I have to say this was a. First, I'll say I really liked this movie, <laughs> um, but it was it was a weird movie in the sense that like, what I was expecting going in, kind of reviews were comparing it to Zodiac and calling it like a procedural film and a stylish, mm. like a stylish procedural classic Fincher movie, and the trailers also kind of show it as just this whodunit like this mystery that's going to arise and rise and it kind of it feels like that for a little bit and then there's a point in the film where it turns into a very clear-cut like thriller movie (laughs) of like there are actually people you are watching and very insane eventful things going on yeah um and it, it was really interesting how he managed to mash up this uh in one the one film that you kind of expect to watch, which is just of Ben Affleck as the fugitive who doesn't run away, like who's trying to trying to argue that he didn't kill his wife. And then it just goes into such like ridiculous left fieldness uh, and not, not in a bad way though, like in a really, really surprising way. Um, I mean, I think the movie just does a really amazing job of building tension with the characters. And that largely comes down to like, you know, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike are both <laughs> really good in this. Though it's even spoilery to say that she's good in this. Be- I don't know. In whatever capacity, <laughs> which I can't say that she's in this movie, <laughs> she does a really good job. Um, she does great voiceover. Yeah, <laughs> she does great voice. So there are things... It did feel a little, like, hyper-stylized. And when I was watching the trailer, it would have these voiceovers from her where she would be kind of having this glazed voice of like the first time i knew i was afraid of my husband <laughs> like it, it seemed like what is this movie this is going to be very uh you know this sounds like a kind of cheesy drama and then everything just completely clicks like who these characters are and why they behave the way they do yeah um i think carson was dead on that this was a really long movie that just flew by it was not like Zodiac is maybe my favorite David Fincher movie, but that does not fly by at all. <laughs> like that movie, you feel like the full weight of the <laughs> yeah. two plus hour yeah. runtime. It's never boring though, but it no, does no, feel no. weighty. No, it's never boring. But it, it, yeah. it, the the real problem, not problem, because I love that film also. But the real thing with that film is you're covering so much time, and so yeah. little is actually truly accomplished from the standpoint of what is trying to be accomplished by the characters. It feels long because you're. It's the events that it's describing took are like so much time to complete the events of that film, and in this, obviously, there's a much shorter window of time that we're talking about. So, it yeah, it's it Zodiac doesn't feel 
as quickly paced because there's so much time passing in the film that it would be impossible to treat that in any sense other than it's a lot of time passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, think it wouldn't fit. I don't think it would fit with the mold to have like a, a as fast a pace as this did, you know? Yeah. Because I felt like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo also had a similar pace as Gone Girl, where it just flew by. Like three hours just went by. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, like with Zodiac, there's so much. It almost had. It almost had that lackadaisical pace of like. Good word. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> from like movies of that time period, you know, like from the 70s, where it was. It felt very procedural. Um, but like I said, it never, it never was boring. But this was almost like a Dateline mystery. Where it was like, boom, boom, we're just giving you everything, like as fast as we can. Yeah, I mean, th- this movie is. I'm not sure I know what the adjective procedural means because this movie is not anything I would describe as like no like like this is a full on psychological thriller of a movie with a very like bizarre <laughs> story to tell. This yeah. is not just some like who done it let's ponder it for 3 hours. Like this yeah. this movie goes into some dark dark territory. Uh, and a lot of that does come down to flashbacks and other devices they use but Really, I don't know. This is a very psychologically intense movie. I did definitely see the the comedy that Carson was getting at. I I wouldn't say the movie was a comedy as no, a whole, no. but it was definitely trying to say things about like the media and about I don't know. This is about such a marriage. dumb reviewer quote to say it's about <laughs> modern marriages. Like this is not about modern marriages. This is about one no. super <laughs> yeah, up marriage. I hope this is not about <laughs> modern <laughs> marriages. <laughs> Although, like but I it, said, like I said before. Uh, I can see it happening. Yeah, yeah, but that's mostly just because Carson's girlfriend leaves him little clues around all the time on their (laughs) anniversary. So this is about Carson's relationship. Right, right. But uh, no, I don't, I mean, it does a really great job with like the scenes when you do see the, him winning or losing in the court of public opinion and like how quickly, how quickly the public, like the tide can sway depending on what he says and what will be revealed and how he acts. Yeah, or or um, what, what some random neighbor screams out at the top of his voice in front yeah, of a bunch and, of public people. And I do think that that whole latching on to like his behavior and was he he seemed to be smiling and was he being polite, blah, blah, blah. That that definitely struck a chord if you remember all the like Amanda Knox stuff happening yeah. recently or just in general, like people regardless of evidence are kind of convicted right away in the court of public opinion depending on if they if they behave correctly or not uh, and i thought this definitely did a great job of unpacking that and also showing how how someone could come back from that which is why the like tyler perry scenes could be so riveting because you finally see him getting his side told for once yeah yeah and I, I really like too that the whole scene that involves like him smiling on camera and stuff like the way that that actual him standing in front of that poster when the photo is taken oh, the way yeah. it plays out like he's completely disassociated from the fact that he's standing in a room with a bunch of people and they're all snapping photos of, of him and one person in the crowd yells like smile and he does this like super half-hearted <laughs> super like, cheesy. like world, world's worst smile and it's literally <laughs> up for like a millisecond he's kind of like huh not a smile and then walks away and then yet there's 900 million photographs being taken, so everybody has this this like photo of him. Like they could they could have almost photoshopped in like the double thumbs up, like pointer fingers, <laughs> and it would have looked like the correct smile for that. But, and but, that's like the only photo they use too. Anytime they cut back to that, it was the one with him smiling and the yeah. selfie with uh, with the girl oh, who walked yeah. up to him. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really uh, 
He's like, I, delete I that know. from your phone. She's like, no. I was like, dude, that's totally how like it would happen. <laughs> I, I definitely like that part of it. But then there's there's the whole realm that we can't really talk about of like parallel tracks that this movie is taking, which are much more. They're much less of like a subtle examination of something, and much more just a insane yeah thrilling story the other Um, the other the other like uh small moment that i thought was really funny um was when he's at the candlelight vigil and fincher just cuts to those two women who are just like oh he's really hot and she's like ew (laughs) like (laughs) i thought that was really funny just like i I think like little things like that added to this movie and made it much more than like i said just a thriller you know I actually have to say I'm a little surprised that this was a best-selling novel because I feel like the source material is pretty weird and in the wrong hands it would have been a kind of like yeah the kind of thing that Jezebel would write a terrible article about where it's like I, I can't even say why they would dislike the premise of it just the uh, I have to talk about it in spoilers I can't well, do no, it <laughs> yeah I mean I I think this is a perfect spoilery book to read because obviously you know we've been talking about how this you know two hour whatever movie goes by super so it's two and a half hours and it goes by super super fast but in in book form obviously it's going like you don't get that sense of like oh it only took me an hour to read this book it's going to be a much longer endeavor so when you're progressing through the story as you're getting things uh you know added to the story and lumped onto you i think it makes a it pays off the investment a lot greater when you're spending eight hours to read the book as opposed to spending two and a half hours to watch the movie version. Plus I think obviously it was such a high selling book. So you could probably be spoiled about what the book was, but the average person, if you're like, Oh, I heard this is good. I'm going to read it. And then you tell your buddy and he's like, Oh, I'm going to read that too. Chances are that it's not like that night they're going to be finished with the book. It's still going to take them Mm -hmm. an amount of time to read it. So I think that especially in novel form, a book like this, this, I think, like for us before all the all the crazy stuff starts to really happen you know we've already, we've only invested an hour of time say mm-hmm. um but in book form you know you've probably spent 4 hours becoming invested in these characters so i think anything that is um anything that under nor- normal circumstances might uh, not not turn you off but like might make you go like oh i'm not really into this type of story i think you're so invested by that point that that um none of that weighs in anymore because you you just really want to... It, it makes you re-evaluate what you would normally think of that type of story um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a frame that you wouldn't... If you just picked up the... Like, if you read the back cover and it was like, blah, 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 and you're like, oh, this doesn't really sound that interesting to me. Like, you've already, you've already spent four hours being interested in it, so it's hard to just come back from that. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. It kind of depends on how the book... If the book shows its hands at the same time as the movie does, like how it structures the big reveals, like if it, how long does it keep it as this movie that you're expecting from the trailer? And when, when does it jump to something else? Yeah, because I've, I've read that the that the movie is pretty faithful. I mean, the the author wrote the screenplay, so, hmm. um, and I know that her and Fincher worked uh, pretty closely together. Uh, I'd have to ask my mom because she read the book, um, but because I feel like this book is someone someone described it as like just airport literature, and mm-hmm. Fincher like elevated it to almost high art in a sense. Like he he definitely like yeah. elevated it above what it actually is. So I, there could be a lot of stuff that he added in 
that are his touches i don't know which is like going back to what i was saying i feel like in the wrong hands this would be a very b movie plot right (laughs) because there there are lots of bizarre character motivations these are not like this is not a subdued story or like a subtle look at something this is full-on satire with crazy characters yeah well i I think it's safe to say in 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 different hands there's a high possibility that carson would still have loved it as much yeah (laughs) but i probably would have not (laughs) we would have been and one of the characters would have become a walrus right well i mean but i i think maybe like in a in the hands of someone like uh nicholas winding refin it might have been more extreme um in the bizarreness but i feel like David Fincher does ride the line between, uh, like, pure just entertainment and actual, like, classy drama. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's 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 almost giving you a, a blend of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just one or the other. Uh, and I feel like in way lesser hands, like, if just they had hired, you know, Joe Blow to direct this movie, it would have just been like a lifetime thriller movie, you know? It would have just been a must-avoid, and I don't think any of that would have come through, you know? Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Fincher is such a perfectionist, and uh, I haven't even mentioned the awesome score that Trent Raz- Trent Rasner, Trent Reznor uh, <laughs> and Atticus Ross. I was trying to, I was trying to he, say both names at, at he's once. He's doing clearly. a lot of movies now. When did he switch from like making albums to just doing movie soundtracks? Well, I mean, he's only, uh, <laughs> when is the last when Nine Inch Nail album come out? <laughs> Anytime a David Fincher movie's out, he's uh, scoring it now, I guess, which mm-hmm. is cool. Like I thought, um, obviously his score for the social network is amazing. Yeah. Well, th- uh, this film opens in that exact same manner where it's like one note yeah. being held out for like two and a half minutes of just mm-hmm. like this creepy sound of like a just, a just like a synth pad underneath just like going <laughs> for the whole time. And I'm just like, OK, cool. We're in, but we're in this but now. I mean, like I thought the score that they did for this movie was really awesome. And um, it, it's super creepy, but it's like it's very off putting and creepy. But I, I read this. I read something that David Fincher told Trent Reznor. He said his inspiration for the score was he was getting a massage one day and they were playing that really like cheesy, like spa music. Like he's the superficial, like, you know, trying to put you at ease kind of music. And Mm -hmm. he told Trent Reznor, like, that's the sound that he wanted to have for this movie. Um, So you can kind of hear that in the film. I like it because I read that before and you kind of hear that, that, that there's a lot of like weird, almost, uh, like cheesy sounding music like that that's Mm -hmm. throwing you off and especially in the beginning when they're kind of doing like the whole like meet cute and we we see how you know um their relationship begins there there was a lot of that where it was almost like cheesy almost like romantic comedy-esque music but done by trent reznor and it just made everything even more creepy because it was just like, you know something bad's going to happen. It had um, a very real creepy factor, especially all of the yeah. flashbacks showing the the meat cute and the, I don't know, like the, it, it has this very robotic feel to it that's completely intentional right, on the side yeah. of the director, but where everyone feels like they took like, like a couple Xanax pills before they went into the <laughs> shot. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, especially, like, Ben Affleck's... That's why Ben Affleck's performance is so good. You know, obviously, you've seen the trailer where they're saying, like, oh, the hallmark of a sociopath. And it's like, yeah, like, 
I feel like he played that side really well because, you know, if you see Ben Affleck in interviews or like when he was, you know, won the Oscar for Argo and stuff, like all of his speeches and in, in interviews are like very, very almost manic. Like they, he's very excited and, uh, you know, obviously, and, and it's the complete opposite of like what he is here. Mm-hmm. So I know there are people, obviously everyone complains when people get cast in movies, but I know when Ben Affleck was cast in this, people were saying like, oh, like, this is this is wrong, you know. Like it's gonna be wooden and blah blah blah. And I was like, I was like, I don't know, dude. Affleck is Affleck is riding the train right now. Like anything he's doing is uh, he's on a roll. So well, we still have mm-hmm. Batman. So just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all the haters are gonna come out for that. But I feel like he's gonna, you know, like after that movie comes out, people are gonna be like, oh, I knew Ben Affleck was great. It's like whatever. Well, I knew it ever and, since he did that duck commercial. <laughs> well, and, and Affleck. And he, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, anyways, and anytime you have people who have read a book, and and I don't I don't know if people know this, but books usually don't have pictures. So, right, right. So really, it's like every person reading that book has their own idea of right. what that person is going to be. I mean, e- even like you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Jack Reacher, and uh, Carson and I both like that film a lot. But you know what? Like Tom Cruise is the exact opposite of the way right. that Jack Reacher character is written. <laughs> And everybody who read, like, the 50 million books in that series were like, oh, my God, how could they cast Tom Cruise in that role? Yeah, and they're then, pissed. Was, like, he turned out to be super awesome in that role because he's playing another character named Jack who kicks people's asses. Like, <laughs> that's what Tom Cruise does. So Yeah, and I mean, um, you also have to look at, you know, books aren't the same as movies. Like, you have to change things mm-hmm. for, you know, different mediums and... Uh, and, and you got to trust people like David Fincher to, like I said, like he cast this movie so well. I don't think he's going to like hire someone just because they're a name or, you know, like he, he said that he, he specifically wanted Ben Affleck because he is prone to public scrutiny and that he can handle himself <laughs> under pressure because like that. he's made public statements about marriage and then got a bunch <laughs> of uh, Because of he was cast as Batman and everyone hated him for it. Uh, but yeah, no, he's he said that that's like this exact reason why he did it is because, uh, you know, even like when Gigli came out and everyone was just like poo-pooing it and him, you know, he kind of came out and handled it really well and just was like, you know, he, he went on talk shows and read all the bad reviews, which ones were his favorite. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Chris... <laughs> Um, I, so yeah, I, my, most of the comments I really want to say about this film, I just can't say until we're talking spoilers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really love this film. There's a, there's a point somewhere towards the middle where I temporarily stopped loving this film. Um, and then once I realized that we still had like an hour left, uh, I, I came to love that. And obviously the, where, where the story progresses, it, it all clicked and it all made total sense. But like in the middle of the film, there, there, I was just kind of like, um, this is not w- likable to me. <laughs> um, but like, it, it was, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the story, so it turned out to be perfect and it worked um, completely well. Uh, I agree with you guys that the story flies by. I actually, in, in, in my perfect world in which a studio would actually okay this picture, I would love to see this film broken into two films so that uh, both halves could be um, two hours on their own because mm-hmm. um, I like I, I think this is a legitimately great story and you know whether or not the actual book itself is in fact uh, w- w- what do you call it Carson uh, air airplane oh airport literature yeah, yeah. airport literature 
Um, I don't know if that's true. Uh, it was actually funny. We had to test some stuff. Um, we were testing some online subscription service things at work through a mobile app, and I had to use a free credit to get a book, not from Audible, but from another co- company. And uh, I got Gone Girl just because, like, oh yeah, this movie's come out. I'll get it. I haven't listened to any. I haven't listened to more than like the first minute, which is the exact line of dialogue that starts out this film. Um, mm. So I was like, hey, look, that's from from the book that I didn't listen to. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely want to go back through and read that just to kind of um, see if like if it is exactly completely faithful or how close it is together, or if the book offers anything that the film just had to cut out because of whatever reasons. But um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the film. Um, I think all the performances are great. Really, my I only have honestly one complaint about the film, and it's a complaint that uh, like I, I know isn't... Um, it's a complaint I can't truly make because there's no other way to do it than the way the film did it, and it has to just do with... Uh, um, without getting into the story, it has to do with the, the voiceover narration in, in the film, and the place that voiceover is coming from, mm-hmm. and then the last time you hear that, it's not from the place that they've established it's coming from. It just can't because of the way the story works out. Um, and I'll kind of expressly state that in our spoiler section. But there was just something that bothered me about the way the narrative of the film has to deliver certain bits of information. And if I think about it rationally, there's absolutely no other way you could do that than the way they did it. Um, but I kind of just, in in my in the back of my head, wish they could have magically found a way around that in some sense. Um, but, well, like I said, I'll get, get into that in spoilers, but, yeah, I echo everything you guys said. thought the film was terrific. Um, yeah, I know. It was good. <laughs> we, I, I, re- I really feel like we need to go into spoilers to talk about more of it because... It's a hard, at a high level, you can say it's really, you know, well done and it's engaging to watch, but all the details are in the reveals, which it doesn't take too much time to start making. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm fine with just closing this out and going right into spoilers. Cause like I said, like, I have nothing more to say besides, yeah, I really liked it and I thought it was really good. Um, <laughs> I, I really have to talk about a few key things to be able to um, explain what i mean yeah yeah so uh let's do that then let's go ahead and get to our official verdicts for this review um carson if you want to give this a must see a recommend with a caveat wait for rental pass with a caveat or a must avoid what would you give it um i would definitely give it a must see um and uh i just want to mention really quickly i think it's funny because since fincher has a hand in all his the marketing of his movies i saw a tv ad the other day and he used a quote from peter travers that says the date night movie of the decade. And uh, I just thought that was really funny because I think Fincher is trolling people because it's definitely not. <laughs> of course it's not a date night movie. Um, and it's funny because that quote You'll never want to like, drink a the... bottle of wine again. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because like, the quote was taken out of context too. It was like the date night movie of the decade for couples who like, hate each other or something. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was... I just thought that was funny, but it's totally a must-see movie for all the reasons we stated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I ex- I had high expectations going in, and they were definitely exceeded. So, must-see for sure. Steven? Yeah, same. Uh, must-see for me. 
we, again, we can't really discuss the specifics of why until spoiler territory, but just a really well-made film keeps you engaged for the whole two and a half hours or <laughs> however long this movie was. It um, felt like 10 minutes, though. Re- it, it managed to be surprising. Like, it didn't do the things I expected it to do. And I should have that like meta expectation now with David Fincher that he's not going to do what I think he's going to do. Right. Um, but this really, whether it's from the source material or from the flourishes he added, uh, I'm not sure. But it really, definitely an engaging movie to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a must-see also. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who some of the stuff that you're witnessing towards the end of the film um, might be a little rough for you. But I think... Um, I, any normal viewer who's seen any other David Fincher movie or any <laughs> any sort of other crime film that's come to theaters in the last many, many years, uh, I think you should enjoy this. Um, so, must-see for me also. Um, yeah, I as I said, we're going to come in and talk about spoilers in just a moment. So, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes will go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760 for TSW, that's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Gone Girl, which Carson was raving about earlier in the episode, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And um, yeah, that music is fading up. We are going to take off, sort of, and then after about 16 seconds, <laughs> the music will fade out again, and we will be back to talk about spoilers. So stick with us if you've seen the film already, or if you've read the book. Um, And everyone else, go see the freaking movie because it's awesome and you should probably enjoy it. And then come back when you're done and listen to us talk about it. Uh, You know, all, whatever, just completely (laughs) spoiler-able. We're going to spoil it up. Yeah, there's no no shields up, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, Yes. So, that's going to happen. All right, later, guys. Okay, so we are back. Uh, This is spoiler territory for this episode, our review of Gone Girl. We are going to be talking, basically anything that happened in this film is completely fair game. Uh, None of us have read the book, so we're not going to be giving any extra things that the book might have had that the movie didn't, so don't worry about that if you're like halfway through the book. I don't know. know. Um, Anyways, we're going to talk about some stuff. No cares about spoiling anything. And... I am going to start real fast just to follow up on what I said at the end of the actual review. Um, so the only real complaint I have with the film is that, you know, the the voiceover narration from, you know, Amy Dunn's character, uh, that comes from a journal, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm totally, like, I don't care that it's voiceover, but the the part, the big reveal in the center of the film that um, she is actually faking her death and you know, it's big, you know, that, that, that whole big reveal is revealed not in an actual journal entry, 
because she left the journal behind mm-hmm. so that the cops would see it because that would be one, like one of the only key pieces of evidence left to actually make it look like he's the one who who you know killed her um so there's just something about that that bothers me because up until that moment each thing that we're hearing is a perfectly crafted by the character journal entry and Mm -hmm. then what we're seeing is her talking in her head as she drives like yeah and and it's a little weird because it is very curated still like she's clearly being dramatic and trying to tell trying to tell a story a particular way yeah i I wasn't really sure what the device was supposed to be there and if if uh like i would be i would almost be fine if if she was if her whole plan was that that would get found after he had been uh you know tried and then executed and then that is found like i i don't know like I I feel like they could have worked it in a way to where the journal is found, but maybe only half the journal or like later on, long after he's been executed, after he gets a death penalty, like somehow like either anonymously would get shipped or something would happen where they'd find the journal and then the truth would come out. Like something to make it sound like that narration was in fact coming from a journal entry that just the police weren't going to find. I would have been totally fine with that. But like the fact that it's, it's not even being written at all. It's like we... We can only view the things that characters are finding out. And while, yes, Ben Affleck is piecing together the events, and, you know, once he sees the little beat-em-up husband-wife dolls, whatever the hell they're called, um, <laughs> he, he, he pieces it together and figures out what's going on. But but we don't, like, we, the audience, get it told through some, like, weird, like, omniscient force that we shouldn't actually have access to. So, like, that's really my only complaint about the film is that, the narr- the narrative gets broken to deliver a bit of of exposition and i'm assuming that in the book it's done the same way just cuz i can't think of another way myself that that information could possibly be delivered mm-hmm. without it coming from the character who set that up so um yeah i don't know it just seems seems very very i don't know it just in, in, in the course of the film, that, that that that's why halfway through the film, I started to like really not like, because I felt like they could have rolled the credits there and that would have been a complete movie. Um, and as that information is being delivered in that way that breaks the narrative, it just kind of upset me in a way that I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of subpar compared to what I've been watching up to this point. And then obviously the rest of the film corrects that in my head because it's <laughs> it just goes to places that I couldn't even expect it to travel past that point. Um so I don't know. Did that did that not bother either of you? Uh, it didn't bother me. I I, I <laughs> and this might be dumb, but uh, I just figured that she was writing a new journal that we never saw. <laughs> it's or, like her own journal for <laughs> Or David Fincher just decided since it was such a left turn out of you know out of nowhere, it was kind of just like, well, I'm gonna change up the narration too, and it's just gonna be voiceover. Um, but either way, it didn't bother me. Yeah. And also, I, I don't know how the book is written. Like in Game of Thrones, like each chapter of the book is like the story being told from a character's perspective. Like this is this person's chapter. This is this person's chapter. And I think yeah. that it's possible that the book is written that way. So it's less confusing in that it may be. Yeah. But in, in, in this narrative, it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I definitely feel mm-hmm. like they had it almost felt like they had chapters in this too because they would you know put up title cards that say you know a date and then it's like you know two days gone or whatever 
Um, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's how it is in the book, possibly. Yeah, maybe. I don't... Keeping time that way. I, I can see what you mean about the inconsistency of it, and that part of the movie is also where I briefly thought I would go off board, but like you said, he pulls it together really well. Um, yeah. I don't really have trouble with so I know that the voiceover, for the most part, is supposed to be journal entries. And then at that moment, it's her, it must be her present thoughts, because it isn't how she would think if she were telling the story from the end, yeah. <laughs> looking back. And it's also yeah, yeah. not it, what would have appeared in a journal. Um, but but, e- so, but I so, feel like the whole, I don't know, the, the whole movie thrives on this, like, inconsistent narration. Uh, so I don't really mind. Like, you never completely trust what you're hearing. Um, but... But it it, yeah. it is it is present it is present minded or whatever. But it, it's it's her specifically writing how she wrote the other entries. Like it's like this was my plan. Step one. Step. It's almost like a it it. I mean, it, it actually could be now that I think of it. It could be her suicide note because her mm-hmm. original plan was to kill herself. Yeah. But then seeing him in the spotlight through the course of uh you know the, the trial of public opinion made her seemingly want to p- at least put off her own suicide for a period of time. And it could be that this whole thing was actually the suicide note she w- would be leaving when she tried to kill herself. But um, that seems to have changed in her mind. Mm-hmm. And if that was her suicide note, then that would fix the problem for me. <laughs> we we can say it was, but yeah, it, it's never... It's never fully explained. Explained. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. The one thing that, and what makes me keep saying, like, in the wrong hands, this would have been, could have been, like, a really bad Lifetime movie, is the whole premise revolves around a psycho girl who <laughs> Just is a little framing, bit. has a history of framing aggression as rape and kind of destroying men's lives <laughs> through elaborate... That's not funny, <laughs> but I'm just thinking of my next comment. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> um, but but anyway, that whole premise, like, in in general, that is one that falls into a, like, political spectrum that I am not a fan of. Yeah. Like, like, this idea that you should really be afraid and not trust the person and that the white girl gets off too easy and gets the benefit of the doubt and men are being screwed. But in general, I do not agree that that is a phenomenon that is the biggest concern. Um, (laughs) But then, which is why when it did, like there's a scene where he's talking to her former boyfriend and he says how they were growing apart and then one day she came over and he had Mm. consensual sex with her and then she framed it as rape the next day. And got him in trouble. And I was definitely ready at that moment to roll my eyes and be like, oh, no, it's going to be like a, a story of a, quote, psycho bitch now. Like, this is becoming a movie that is not what I was expecting. Um, but then they definitely pull, I don't know, Fincher makes such a weird character out of her. She's like, she's a very particularly messed up character <laughs> who has this <laughs> ideal about the world she wants to live in. And there's something about it that clicks in a way that doesn't feel like a... Mm. like the anti quote feminazi film that like it could have been with this storyline because this could have been such a cheesy oh yeah b movie of like the woman out to get revenge and what won't she do oh god she's yeah. gonna kill neil patrick harris and she's gonna sleep with people and seduce them it, it could have been way way 
it could have worked out pretty badly for the narr- narrative, I think. Yeah, well, and I, 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 go, go ahead. It, it makes me a little surprised that the book was written by a woman, I think. Like, I wonder how this subplot is addressed there. Because it, it does feed into, like, a very negative stereotype. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I mean, obviously that is there. But I kind of, I, I sort of disassociated it a little bit from just, like, this this mean woman who has it out to 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 ruin guys lives and more of just somebody who is deeply 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 messed up in, in a way that like her you know her womanhood has nothing to do with it she's just like freaking psychotic yeah, um, yeah and like you know uh way back when when we reviewed um side effects i really like that film and one of my quotes from that episode is like that movie was my nightmare like because um, because that whole story I don't know if you saw it Steven. I actually haven't seen it okay, so you haven't seen it so the basic premise is that uh, you know a dude is murdered by his wife while she's on this medication um, that's like the basic premise and mm. like at the time I was talking about how like just the idea of somebody outside of their actual control like stabbing me to death and I like it's not like they're mad at me and they're attacking me it's just like out of nowhere they just stab me um, that's like psychological psychological issues that cause people to act in ways that you cannot predict and in a way that would threaten my life by somebody who i'm intimately involved with is like my nightmare um <laughs> this film has <laughs> usurped that <laughs> and become <laughs> far more fright like the the ending scene where um not the ending scene but like that scene where they're in the shower and mm-hmm. uh they're kind of trying to like like uh she is sort of setting the stakes by which ben affleck needs to remain in a relationship with her um for a a myriad of different reasons um in that scene when she's like i have killed for you can you say that about me or something like that as she's Mm -hmm. as she's washing the blood as she's washing blood which inexplicably (laughs) she went to the hospital and police station and nobody had her wash off the blood yeah i I guess just like no you're fine just just keep it (laughs) well it's it's like in it's like in our in our uh dragon tattoo um review when uh we we had the big conversation about dominant sex positions (laughs) i'm assuming that everybody like didn't want to like force force rub her down (laughs) to get the flower Mm -hmm. right (laughs) sorry which i mean that that was gonna be my uh my next comment was to mention side effects and the fact that uh Chris found that movie to be very scary, uh, and I found this movie to be the same way. Although, in side effects, it has a little more of a happier ending. This one, but, I feel like, is scarier because it doesn't. But that's the thing. It's like this is like a completely different type of scary because in, 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 right, right. in, in side effects, the, the fear it instilled in me and is, is like I said, it's like me being in love with and involved with somebody who out of nowhere could, out of their control, do something that threatens my life. This is a scenario in which you have to stay with this person who you know has at least killed one person. Yeah, no. And and is completely over the top, like super villain psychotic, like not no Mm -hmm. longer human. And you just like I have to now live under the same roof for until I die, which could be any day. (laughs) Yeah, right. But I feel like that Rooney Mara's character in Side Effects was also maybe not the same level, but like. I mean, I don't want to say anything because Steven hasn't seen it. But, I mean, you know, at the end, like, there's definitely... She's got some problems. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you... you yeah, but they're, they're... This is... This is a different level. I mean, this is on the level of uh, Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction or Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. Like, it's it's that level of, uh, you know, bitches be crazy. 
And so, which is what is what they could have called this movie, and it would have been an appropriate title. Tyler Perry would have been much happier to be in. <laughs> but it would also um, undersell the narrative as 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 it is if like yeah that was yeah. the story. But I mean, I think Roseman Pike's performance in the movie uh, will stand the test of time and will be on the same level as those two other characters, uh, like in Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct. In terms of modern psycho women, yeah. Well, what were you gonna say, Stephen? Oh, I I was shifting gears just a little bit to say while you're discussing that ending and your fear of being forced to live under the same roof as a crazy person, <laughs> that that is a part of the narrative where I assume it was sticking with the book, and Fincher does it well enough that I didn't really mind, but I don't understand. Why was he actually forced to stay with her? Like that first night, why didn't he just immediately say, she's clearly lying. Like, look at this. She's covered in blood. Her story doesn't make any sense. This diary was falsely blaming me. I I, I actually didn't understand why would he just go with it before the pregnancy thing is even brought into the equation? Well, like, he, what, what, what was driving him to not just shout like this person is crazy and I don't want to be near her? <laughs> Because I, I think, I mean, that that was part of on the back of my mind, but I think the way I, I would have to watch the film to reassess how it is, but I remember having that thought and then like being like, no, I accept it because of this reason. And I think it has to do with like, th- there were there were a few individual moments in which you could have got away with saying something about it. Um, mm. But I think there was like, there was no... It, it w- I, th- I think it would have been a hard sell, basically. Um, like, he would have to get her to admit it publicly in order... Because otherwise it would be, like, the guy whose wife was taken who he just got back and then he's, like, claiming that she's crazy. Yeah. Like, th- I, In the context of the film, while it was rolling, I felt like it was handled well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a legitimate complaint, but I think that... Like, it's been a couple days since I saw the movie, so I'm... I can't remember because there's so many other parts that I focused on over it, but mm-hmm. it, it felt like they made it somewhat convincing to me. Because the the argument was like in the court of public opinion, he had to look happy, right? But he was no longer at risk for anything. He was clearly absolved from the trial. Like, unless he's just really thin skinned, like public opinion doesn't matter anymore. You're safe. <laughs> uh and I just can't, even with the baby in the equation, I can't imagine the real life scenario playing out that way. And I know this conversation with his sister, where she says, like, you want to stay, don't you, is trying to say that there's a thing about him that is drawn to this. But that, I don't know, if that element was there, then I didn't feel like the story really brought it out. Like, I imagined the character hightailing it. I could not imagine the character wanting to stay. Yeah, well, I I think the only, I, I think he he could have disappeared himself, but I don't think he could have like publicly been like, hey, yeah, we're getting a divorce, and I'm not gonna be with you anymore. Like, I think there would have been had, there would have to be either just disappear or like basically kill her, and then it would look like yeah he had like abducted her and then released her, but like made her act like it was something like I don't know. I think it could have been very complicated and i i think the baby came up pretty quickly too i I think it was mostly he was trying to figure out i i think what happened is there was a small window of time where he could act 
and <laughs> he was waiting he was trying to get her like uh not just like oh i need to get out of this but like to get her like it, it, it there's there's a point at which it became almost like a pride thing mm-hmm. and then once that window of time once the basically once he found out about the baby it changed everything and he was he was stuck so i think he 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 stayed behind so that he'd have the opportunity to f- turn the table and to to basically wait for her to slip up so that he could get her and then once yeah. the baby came out then it was too late like he changed his mind on that but it was too late to get out yeah cuz i feel like if he just tried to go out and say you know you know she's crazy and this is what she did that she would be manipulative enough to prove him wrong you know something would she would do something that would cause him to look even worse you know mm-hmm. and that would maybe but you would think be after, able to leave you would think after the world thinks you killed your wife because she has left all these clues that are damning it and then she comes back and the like policewoman on the case is already suspicious even though she has been against the main character the whole time i i, I have a really hard time believing that idea that this would just resolve and no one like everyone would just accept her story as truth like it felt like there were so many holes in it you know there were witnesses arguably in the south that saw her there would be some kind of evidence that says like neil patrick harris was never here like he has no fingerprints here there's nothing about him i I don't i don't know i i know that the movie was not trying to end on the most realistic note but I, i felt like that was trying to it had an ending it wanted, which was that terrifying idea of being stuck under a roof with a monster. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't feel like it earned that ending with any sort of, like, a narrative that actually made sense. It was just like, we want this to be how it ends. So, you know, this bloody murder of Neil Patrick Harris is not going to be investigated. We're just going to assume because it shows her on tape with him that, that it's how it happened. Well, there, there's the her, like, trying to escape through the closed window. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah and then yeah, she okay. like rigs it so it looked like she was raped and stuff mm-hmm. and also there there's enough so first of all it, it seemed like neil patrick harris didn't have anybody like the crime the the, the murdering of him was only a crime against him because it seemed like he didn't have family or anything like that um so you have past history of um stalking or you know basically their past history together you have the the videos of her like screaming and stuff through the window at at his lake house or whatever the hell it was um and you have the fact that she's been missing this whole time um and him being present at some of the searching thingamajigger so it's like there's enough evidence and no one who's like it's it yes it is a failure on the part of the, the the police department but there's also all like there's enough circumstantial evidence to say like, oh, this narrative sounds plausible that yeah. unless somebody specifically goes out of their way to investigate it, it seems like an open and shut case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I bought it and I, I might have to like, like Chris said, uh, might have to go back to reassess exactly why I did. <laughs> but I, I know that in the moment I was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> he's like, he can't leave. He's screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of jokingly mentioned that um, the movie could have been called Bitches Be Crazy, but I feel like that there is, 
I feel like there's some kind of commentary going on in this movie uh, about women uh, in today's society. Um, and I think that that's the other layer of satiricalness that the movie has. Um, Can you explain that a little more? <laughs> which I couldn't talk about before. But but there's all these different types of women in the movie. Obviously, we have Rosamund Pike's character who's, you know, the psychopath. And we have, you know, um, the Nancy Grace-esque reporter. And you have the, the Barbara Walters-esque reporter. And then you have the, like, the the like the trophy housewives like the woman who comes up to get take a selfie with ben affleck and uh the the dumb neighbor with all the kids and the uh the girl he has an affair with who's you know the young uh super like the student that he has affair with and you know she plays you know innocent even though she's not and uh, there's like the two girls that I mentioned at the candlelight vigil, um, and then of course the mother of Rosamund Pike's mother, who is essentially, I feel like, is just as crazy as she is. Uh, she has that robotic feel to her, clearly, mm-hmm. uh, clearly on some prescription meds for sure. But I thought it was funny how almost the dad, uh, Rosamund Pike's dad in the film, he really doesn't do much, and it's almost like a foreshadowing of how Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike are going to be. It's almost like he, he got stuck in the same type of marriage, like where he can't leave. He's just accepted the fact that he's <laughs> with this crazy woman. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't read that, but continue. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I saw. And like, I feel like, um, Oh, and then like the, the strong women in the film are women who don't have, men in their lives, uh, which are the the cop and uh, Ben Affleck's sister. Uh, so I just mm-hmm. thought that there was some interesting points being made because there are a lot of female characters in the film. And uh, I don't know, I just, I felt like I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but since there were so many different types, I feel like there was some sort of commentary being made about women in this film Um yeah, I don't know. That's just yeah, what no, I picked I mean, up I, on. But I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could call it a commentary. But there definitely is this like subtext of like women all falling in major stereotypes, except for the single ones who are strong and independent. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, more but of like Stepford oh, wifey kind of. Sorry. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, no. I was just gonna say, but for sure, I think that. Um, Rosamund Pike's parents are a. Uh, I totally think that's a foreshadowing. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, they they definitely have problems, but I, I mean, I don't think it's anything close to to, to what Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. No, have. I mean, it, their their relationship it, is broken in completely different ways. But I think that the parents are definitely psychotic in their own right. I mean, they they literally invented a storybook character who was the daughter they wish they right. had. So, I mean, I, I think any disassociation the father has uh, with with his job as a father to his daughter, who's, you know, by all accounts, missing and murdered, um, is, I, I think that goes to just his ridiculous attitude towards life in general and the life that he leads and the fact that like his daughter is the one amazing amy not his actual daughter amy yeah um yeah so i kind of read like 
they they are definitely douches, but I don't think yeah. that they're that they're a future version of where Ben Affleck no, and no, Rose I mean, and Biker not, headed. I mean, not in a literal sense, but they are. I feel like that her mom is definitely as like you can see where she gets her psychoness from, you know. Yeah, but yeah. the mom's is not to the point where she's gonna kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I I saw this as more of how did she get the way she is, and it's from having this life where you're compared to this ideal story. Yeah. And now in her sort of journal and her narration, she's creating this completely unrealistic story of like why she's justified in everything she does and this very kind of like romanticized view of her suicide and him getting what's coming. I, I feel like that was the effect of the parents. I, I didn't see it as a foreshadowing. That that is a very interesting look at them. It's crazy too. Like for me, the, the most, the, like the gnarliest moment of psychoticness that that um, the wife exhibits is in, in that scene where, um, like you know, as as you were just saying, like she's trying to create this perfect, like her ideal situation of a relationship with whatever the man is that she's gonna be with, and the the scene where she like basically states that she's accomplished it is based off of having watched his acting he does on the screen in that interview to communicate to her that he knows what she's doing like she literally says to him like like you did it right there like you, you stated that like you wanted to become this perfect man for me and she acknowledges that it's an act but she sees in that performance that he can act that way so she's like she's happy with it being a complete facade as long as he can perform in that way and since she had like she has the upper hand like her she she her whole master plan was for him to get executed and for her to kill herself and then mm-hmm. she saw that like no she could have this pretend sham of a marriage that she could work towards and it would it would outwardly look perfect even though it'd be terrible inwardly and it's like it's it, it's almost like she wanted to become the the inside the guest house version of uh the one i love like, <laughs> like she was totally fine with like this being like you know essentially not real as long as it occupies physical space and yeah. people view it as being as good as it she wants it to be mm-hmm. yeah like she, and she also, oh sorry go, go ahead. i was just gonna say she wasn't she wasn't uh she wouldn't be happy if she just wrote a story of the adult version of an amazing Amy. She had to act it out in real life, <laughs> live it in the in the public eye. Mm-hmm. No, I was just gonna say it's a, a. It was a little on the nose, but you know, there's that line in the film where Ben Affleck says, "You know, every woman. Why are all these women trying to tear me apart or something?" Um, I don't know. That just felt like it. It went into the whole. Uh, the whole idea that there's there's some kind of there's some kind of subtext there that like yeah i don't know something about the women well i, I just picked up on that that's I, all i i think part of the reason why that's there is not necessarily a direct commentary but like from from the context of the story we have a a man who essentially married up like he yeah. he was just a dude and then he married into a family that had wealth and uh, they both had great jobs. And, like, part of the things, like, part of the evidence surrounding the fact that he might be the killer is that, you know, he spent a bunch of her money. You know, he's increased her her uh, life insurance policy. Like, there's a bunch of things that show that this guy married her, then killed her to get her wealth. Like, that. that's just a, yeah. that, that's just, like, the trope of the murder story that 
is trying to be set up in the story. So the fact that we're seeing him being torn apart by women in the community and women in the uh, news media, uh, news media, media, whatever, <laughs> like <laughs> that area of society, like, I don't know that it's necessarily a, I, I think it's just the, con- I think it's some sort of consequence of the construct of the murder itself. Like, it's not just that, like, we're looking at the, these so many different women characters. Like, we're looking at the women in the society surrounding a scenario in which a man married up and possibly killed the woman to get everything that she possessed. Like, it was, so it's, yeah. it, I, I, no, I just I just thought it was interesting that they had all these different types of women though in the yeah. film regardless of whether they were trying to um whether they were you know affecting Ben Affleck's life I guess. Yeah, but I mean it's kind of like you know Steven you were bringing up the fact that like you were worried that the film was just going to fall into this like ah oh, some bitch like is crazy like <laughs> you know you were worried about it falling into that kind of stereotype and I think that what what we're viewing what Carson's commenting on is the characters in that universe being on the opposite end. It's like, oh, look at that asshole who killed the yeah. nice, nice woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like we are guys viewing it as like, ah, oh, look at how crazy that lady is. And the characters in the world are women viewing like, look at how much of an asshole that guy is. Yeah. So I think it's like two sides of the same coin. And um, I don't know, maybe we should have a woman on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Um, but i I mean i i do like the fact that um the movie starts out starts off with (laughs) um the demons are trying to escape from me um it starts off with uh with basically ben affleck is the unlikable character and you think that he's this you know he's kind of this sociopathic asshole and then you know they turn the tables and it's like the real detestable character is Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck you know even though he had an affair you could totally justify it um and he doesn't seem as you know <laughs> wait, wait a second. as horrible you know what I'm saying he totally justify it go on the record saying that yeah I don't we're, we're just gonna table that for now but keep going no 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 because I'm saying like it, you know, he becomes the sympathetic character once the tables are <laughs> so you're turned. In, in a in an ends justify the means type of scenario, like well, he was I mean, better you off can... with somebody else. So, <laughs> like, I, no, I, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, he's still not the greatest guy. But you can <laughs> you kind of feel for him once you realize like what's happening to him. You're like, okay, well, I can see why he cheated on his wife because she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but arguably. She went crazy after, like, yeah, she, but acted, I mean, she acted on her craziness not until she saw him outside the bar that she owns that she bought for him. That's um, true. Hooking up with a girl in the way that was the way that they met the very first time that they met. True. So, true. I mean, I mean no one's really fully likable in this movie, which is something that I liked. I don't know but, Tyler Perry was pretty likable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, no, Tyler Perry is, but I'm talking about the main characters. S- in the sister film. was likable. Yeah, but I'm, de- I mean, like the two main characters, <laughs> the focal points of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, you do feel a little sympathetic for Ben Affleck because you're like, oh, this is really bad, because you, you know, he doesn't completely deserve it, but then the same time he does, but. <laughs> <laughs> no one would want to be in the situation that he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they do 
turn the tables on you a little bit and get you to come around to feeling sympathetic toward Ben Affleck's character. Which is, which is let me just ask you this, Carson. If you were married to Ben Affleck and then you caught him <laughs> outside the bar that you bought for him, um, kissing some girl by wiping frost off her lips in much way, yeah. the same way that he did for you, kissing um, when Jennifer you guys first met, um, what would you do? <laughs> I could frame him for murder for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Jimmy Kimmel did it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess my point was, I like the fact that, you know, the leads were not nice people and that the ending was sufficiently dark. I, I feel like this ending has a very uh, no country for old mess. <laughs> God damn. Uh, no country for old men-esque ending in the fact that uh, evil prevails. And um, I feel like a lot of people would leave the theater not too happy because it's doesn't have like, kind of how I mentioned the side effects ending where people get their comeuppance. Um, it definitely, uh, and I feel like it, it's a type of film that if it did have, you know, if Ben Affleck did get his revenge or whatever, it, it would feel out of place. I don't think it would feel right for the, the, the consistently brutal and bleak tone of the whole movie. Uh, it just wouldn't feel right. So I'm glad that they ended it the way they did. Cool. I don't know if anyone else felt that way. No, 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 no I, thought, I thought it was a good ending. Yeah. yeah. I, I, as unbelievable as I thought it was, I still liked the tone that it ended on. Yeah. You don't, you don't believe it now, Stephen, but one day. <laughs> one day it's going to happen to me. <laughs> and, and then you're going you're gonna to tell us, and we're not going to believe you. We're not going to believe you. <laughs> but like, Stephen, you said yourself, there's no way this could possibly happen. <laughs> Anyways, what were you going to say, Stephen? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guess we should wrap this episode up? Then? I guess uh, I guess we've <laughs> I said all so. that we can. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that I guess is our spoiler talk for Gone Girl. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah. I think we <laughs> thanks for having covered us. all the bases. <laughs> yep. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you're listening still, and we will see you next week. You ever hear the expression "the simplest answer is often the correct one"? Actually, I've never found that to be true.